Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. Our reading today is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name do not torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus, and again and again, to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding in the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about two thousand in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a uh, African American theologian from the 20th, early part of the 20th century, Howard Thurman. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Um, brilliant guy, uh, theologian, pastor, taught at Howard University for a, for a long period of time. Um, they named a chair after him at uh, Boston University. Just really incredible, and um, he. He was one who had influence on Martin Luther King Jr. Um, really uh, helped form Martin Luther King's uh, his his views on nonviolence and um, uh, focus on the outcast and all that type of thing. And and so he had an opportunity to go with a group of folks to India 
to study about Indian culture and especially the caste system and have conversations with people and, and all this. And, um, and, he, uh, and he was lecturing um, from like 1932 until for, for a long period of time. And he collected stories and then would, would write about, about these stories. And one of them, he wrote uh, a book in 1949 is when it was published, Jesus and the Disinherited. And I, I just want to read a little section. This was from uh, this trip to India. He was talking with a faithful Hindu man. And there was a group of folks. And this is what this Hindu man said. More than 300 years ago, your forefathers were taken from the western coast of Africa as slaves. The people who dealt in the slave traffic were Christians. One of your famous Christian hymn writers, Sir John Newton, made his money from the sale of slaves in the New World. He's the man who wrote, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds and Amazing Grace. There may be others, but these are the only ones I know. The name of the, one of the most famous British slave vessels was Jesus. It's the name of the slave vessel. The man who brought the slaves were Christians. Christian ministers, quoting the Christian apostle Paul, gave the sanction of religion to the system of slavery. Some 70 years or more ago, you were freed by a man who is not a professing Christian. That would be Abraham Lincoln. But was rather the spearhead of certain political, social, economic forces, the significance of which he himself did not understand. During all the periods since then, you have listened, lived in a Christian nation in which you were segregated, lynched, and burned. Even in the church, I understand there is segregation. One of my students who went to your country sent me a clipping telling about a Christian church in which the regular Sunday worship was interrupted so that many could join a mob against one of your fellows. When he had been caught and done to death, they came back to resume their worship of their Christian God. The man concluded, I'm a Hindu. I do not understand. I have said sometimes the biggest obstacle to the gospel is the church. As you can see in, in that story from uh, Howard Thurman talking with um, folks who are not Christian, trying to get an understanding. But all is not lost, all is not hopeful. Howard Thurman would go on and he would write this piece that I thought was just profound. He said, the underprivileged everywhere have long since abandoned any hope that this type of salvation deals with the crucial issues by which their days are turned into despair without consolation. The basic fact is that Christianity, as it was born in the mind of the Jewish teacher and thinker, appears as a technique for survival of the oppressed. That it became, through the intervening years, a religion of the powerful and the dominant, used sometimes as an instrument of oppression, must not tempt us into believing that it was thus in the mind and life of Jesus. I, I, I thought of using that because the story of Scripture today is so fascinating. You have this guy who's possessed, 
And where they are, just to give you a sense, because in the last week we had snow and we had a small group here that could make it, and that's fine. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not shaming anyone. You gotta, you gotta be safe. Um, last week, we're we're in the Gospel of Mark, right? And and I have said this before, where the the most common word to describe the Gospel of Mark is immediately. We go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and I'm breathless after reading three chapters. And then when you get to chapter four, which was last week, take a break, because Jesus has a few things to say. And he can't talk if he's running. I I run distance. Distance, and it takes a little bit to get to the point that you you can talk and run. So Jesus is like, all right, let's, let's take a break, guys. I got some things to teach you. And so they stop. And this is, this is the pattern of Mark. Immediately, 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 stop, catch your breath, and then immediately, 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 right? So this is, so last week, just to give you a sense, there were parables. Jesus was talking about parables, and these were agricultural parables. They were about the sowing of the seeds, That's the biggest, the first one is the sowing of the seeds and it lands on certain ground, rocky ground or trampled ground or this ground or good soil is the the parable. Hopefully you're familiar with with that one, right? And then it goes on and he tells some other parables. And then the part that wasn't in the narrative lectionary, the very end of chapter four is the disciples and Jesus get in a boat and Jesus sees it as a cruise, so he goes to sleep. And they're going to go across the Sea of Galilee from the Jewish territory to the Gentile territory, which is where he lands today in Mark chapter 5. And on the water, the storm happens. It's the storm. The storm is representative of chaos, of evil that is chaos, natural evil, if you want to think about it that way. And what does Jesus do? Jesus calms the storm, and controls evil in the natural sense. And here he comes, and he lands in Gentile territory, and the first thing he comes across, he doesn't come, this guy comes running out at him, who is literally out of his mind because he is possessed by legion, is what we are told. And legion, of course, means many demons, but... This is also Mark's sneaky way of being anti-Roman and anti-empire. A legion is a a literal group of Roman soldiers who are occupying that land. And Roman Empire, as as much as Monty Python did with the wonderful thing of what did the Roman Empire ever do for us, you can Google that, YouTube that, but all empires have always been the same. They conquer they exploit, they abuse, they destroy, they kill, and they control. That's what all empires throughout all human history have done. And Rome was unstoppable. Is it any wonder that Mark has in here the guy who was controlled by legion could not be bound. He cannot, chains could not hold him because no one was controlling the Roman Empire. It was uncontainable. And Rome is just, an empire is just 
a symbol of things, a system. I want us to think about that for a minute. Because think about the systems that rage, that control. I'll name them in a a minute, but I want you to think about that. So you've got, you've got that going on. There's this whole thing about the pigs, right? Remember, they're in a Gentile territory. Jews see pigs as what? Impure, unclean, ritually unclean, and anyone who touches them are unclean as well, right? And there's 2,000 of them. This is what, the demons have to ask for permission to be sent into, into the herd of pigs. This is, this is a, a feature uh, that this is always the case. Um, but it gets sent into this herd, and they run down, and they drown. Now, I learned this yesterday. I was telling Abby about this in the, in the car yesterday when we were driving. Anybody know anything about pigs? I, I don't. I had, so, John, do, do, what happens with pigs in water? Okay, that's all right. That's all right. No, they swim. They swim. I didn't know this until yesterday. So, I, and I and when I was doing prep on the on the sermon throughout the week and all this, uh, this just came up yesterday that there was somebody who had written commentary on this passage, and he was in Iowa talking with farmers. And these farmers, a lot of them have herds of pigs. And he's talking and reading this passage, and the farmers are saying, what? Pigs swim. How how is it that they drowned? So this is where we get into, remember, a lot of what's going on in this passage is metaphor. It's symbolic of something much bigger. Don't get caught up in the specifics. But what's the symbolism of what's going on? If legion can represent empire, or the theology of empire, or Rome in that case, the idea of pigs drowning when they're not supposed to, one of the things that I had said last week was parables are stories that often have a twist, an unexpected twist. This would be the unexpected twist. Pigs don't drown in water, they float, they swim. Think about how heavy all of those demons were weighing on that man. He is literally amongst death, living in the tombs, cast there by the rest of his community who didn't know what to do with him, and so, well, forget it. Out of sight, out of mind, We don't want to hear from you. We don't want to see you. We don't know what to do with you. Get out. Go live because you are dead to us. Can you imagine the weight of the demons, the weight of the ostracization, the being outcast from community and society? And all that gets put onto the pigs. And symbolically, It's too heavy. It drowns. This man was wallowing 
and drowning in death and being an outcast. And I want us to go back to chapter 4. Because one of the things that I think is really neat, Mark often has things that connect in unsuspecting ways. Because we're so busy trying to keep up with immediately, 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 that it's easy to lose track of what happened and to make a connection. When Jesus is, when Jesus is talking about the parable of the soil, the soil is unexpected. One of the commentators said, I think this is a story about where good soil is. An example of good soil is with this man who was possessed and was liberated and set free. And he's the only one that wants to be with Jesus. The rest of them are afraid and they want to get away or they want to push Jesus away. He's the only one in this right, described in his right mind. <laughs> Literally, only one who's described in his right mind. He is good soil. And the sad part about it is this good soil is not always accepted when we think it would be. We think good soil, oh, everybody loves good soil. Nope. Not everybody does, apparently. So I want us to go back to this idea of what are the things that represent, right? Because it's important to name them. It's not, we can't just go through life with these things that go on and be like, oh, let's just push it out of the way. Let's put it out there and put it out of sight and out of mind because maybe it doesn't affect us directly. Jesus doesn't deal with that. Jesus names things, finds out the name of Legion, and he deals with it. And he, he deals with it not through violence, not through control, Notice in this story, Jesus is caring, he's loving, he's invitational. He's invitational. And the invitation isn't accepted from the people. They want him to go away. So what are, what are the demons, the legions, however you want to call them, that in some ways possess our society? We're just humanity in general, but in our society, racism, violence, war, fear of the other, poverty, greed, hyper-individualism, homelessness, corruption, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-LGBTQ+, that's a short list that I thought of. You could probably add plenty more that have a whole lot of hold and weigh on people so heavy and force people out as if they're dead in the tombs. Jesus is about life. Jesus is about liberating people from the things that oppress and setting them free to be alive to be out of the, called out of the tomb and into 
life and into society. The guy wants to go with Jesus, and Jesus is like, eh, you've got it more than the disciples do. You're good to go. Go and proclaim. And he does. His life has been changed. And he goes and he proclaims in the Decapolis, which is this region that has 10 cities and it's Gentile territory. And he goes and people are amazed. And the thing that I mentioned in Bible study was it doesn't say that they changed. They were amazed. (laughs) It's an ongoing story. This is humanity we're dealing with, right? I mean, but it's a start. That's how you start. And this is where, go back to the story of the parable This man has become the sower of the seeds. And where they land may be on good soil in places that they don't expect. Other people where good soil will take, the seeds will take root. It's not his job to determine where that goes. It's not his job to make sure it all happens. His job is to sow, just like us to sow the seed, and where it lands, it lands. And oftentimes in unexpected places become good soil. There's a a quote that, again, I I found uh, earlier in the week, and this is by Bishop Pedro Casaldelaga. Hopefully I pronounced his name right. He was a, a Roman Catholic bishop in Brazil, from 1971 to 2005, and he was, um, well, I'll just read the quote. He said, I believe that nowadays the only way to live is to live rebelliously, and I believe that can only be, that you can only be a Christian by being a revolutionary, since there's no use in, no more use in pretending that we're going to reform the world. What he means by that is not violently going and overthrowing and all this type of stuff. But look at the example of Jesus. Jesus isn't using violence. The demons create the violence. For this man, they drive the pigs in. They create turmoil, all this type of stuff. Jesus cures, sets free. Doesn't force. He's an invitation. That's pretty revolutionary at any time in human history where empires want to conquer. Jesus wants to love and invite into a new way. And it shows, Jesus shows up in unexpected territory where he is not always welcome. I want to close with one last story. And this was just reported on January 16th. And you know, it's been cold through a lot of the country, in case anybody didn't know that. <laughs> and it's been cold in uh, Milwaukee, Ohio. And there's, uh, in Milwaukee, Ohio, there was uh, an article here that talked about um, the, the, one of the demons of society is homelessness, and talking about the cold. And they had listed a, uh, a few, few folks who had died in the cold. A uh, 64-year-old man was pronounced dead at 1.40 p.m. Friday near South 5th and West Layton under a bridge. 69-year-old man pronounced dead at 1.25 p.m. Saturday 
um, found in a vehicle that he used for shelter. A 40-year-old man was pronounced dead at 9.56 a.m. At, at these different corners. And the author is writing saying, I always wondered why more churches don't open their doors to the unhoused to sleep or warm up when it gets cold. And so this uh, pastor, Chris Avell, who's the pastor of Dad's Place in Bryan, Ohio, uh, he did that because it made sense because all of the, all of the, the homeless shelters were, were full. And so he thought, well, we'll open up the church and, and, and that's what we'll do. This is a way to help people. And so they started doing that in, uh, in November. And it said that according to the city, uh, he was sent a letter on November 3rd informing him uh, the homeless were prohibited for sleeping at the church overnight. So he ignored it. And, uh, and then police arrived on Christmas Eve to arrest him for violating codes. Uh, his attorney called it unconscionable. And so it goes on. So he's being charged with, um, I forgot how many counts of violations and all this type of stuff. He's facing criminal charges all that type of stuff, because he was just trying to help some people. Good soil is not always welcome. Good soil is not always welcome. And the question is, why? Because systems exist to maintain things the way they are. That there's certain folks who think they benefit from things the way they are. And Jesus messes with that. He messes with it. He disrupts it. He ends it. If, Christian, if Christianity is about anything, it's not about power and control. It's about setting people free and empowering people, orienting us towards living, being a community full of life, and caring for one another, and forgiving, and all these things. And they're not easy. It's hard. You all know that. That's what we're called to. And it's not always going to be well-liked. It's not going to be appreciated. You all know that as well. There's plenty of uh, folks who have things to say about how what it means to follow Jesus that are very contrary, at least to what I think, and uh, what I tried to practice. This is what we're called to. This is what we are called to. Each of us are called to be good soil in unexpected ways that isn't going to be liked, but we're called to that. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at christharrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 
South 13th Street in Harrisburg. Parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you and I pray that you have a blessed week.